Welcome back to another episode of the Hooper's Almanac. On today's episode, we are taking a blast to the past, and Mitch is going to share his top 25 all-time list. Um, some oldies on there, some current players. Mitch is a historian of the NBA much more than I, so I know he's put a lot of time and effort into this, so really looking forward to hearing uh, sort of his thoughts on on generally the landscape of the NBA. I know the NBA released their NBA 75 this past year, and it was it received a lot of criticism. So we'll see if Mitch receives a lot of criticism for his NBA top 25 list. But regardless, it'll be a good conversation. We'll be talking about that on today's episode, as well as some cereal and brews to close it out. Before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. back with another edition of the Hooper's Almanac and today's a history lesson Mitch as we said in the intro um, we are flashing it back to your top 25 but before we get there we have some current news to talk about right Donovan Mitchell we mentioned on the last podcast in trade rumors all of a sudden it appears that the Jazz are officially taking offers we were discussing whether or not the Jazz would trade Mitchell and when exactly that would be but it appears now that there's been a lot of momentum going with that um how are you doing and i hope you're doing better than donovan mitchell right now uh yeah i'm doing better than the other mitchell um in the world right now um i'm doing well uh you know just trying to i like the summer league time because i can just like skim watch some games here and there thankful for league pass in that sense but like i'm not really paying attention to like the 85 percent of the guys who aren't going to be making a, a roster this year it's fun to watch the rookies but you're right. The biggest news of the NBA right now is the fact that Donovan, the Jazz are now open to Donovan Mitchell trades. Um, it looks like the Knicks have been like the biggest team to, uh, who are going to put like a quickly put a package together. Uh, and that might be a play on words and the guys who might be also <laughs> in that trade package. Um, but also, I just feel like there are a lot. There's a lot that goes into what the possibly the Knicks and the Knicks, like who, who the Knicks could trade. It sounds yeah. like if you're the Jazz, you're going to want a, a good player in return. And if you're the Knicks, you're trying to as hard as you can not to give up R.J. Barrett. Um, and we did last week, we talked about like just trade scenarios for KD. I, like a dingus, decided to dive in and do like a mini trade. Like, now, I didn't do super in-depth because I didn't have as much time because I was way too trying too hard to prepare for the NBA, my top 25 list. But I did like a mini like deep dive in like, K- like Donovan Mitchell trades. The one I did for the Knicks was basically, could they trade without giving up Barrett? Could they trade Randall, Fournier, Emmanuel quickly, and like two first round draft picks? Seems like a lot, right? But then, like the the Jazz would give up Mitchell and uh, Neil Alexander Walker or whatever mm, the heck is I can't. Yeah, that was it, Neil. Nikhil. Nikhil, thank you. I appreciate that. I So, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So, you get, like, two guards in turn, and then, like, Azubuke, you remember him from, like, the Ke- – yeah. The yeah, like, that. get, like, some sort of big out of it, too. So, um, you, you're not – if you're the Jazz, you're not going to be a Bidonovich. You're not going to – I don't think Mike Conley needs to be thrown into that trade either. Mm. I think if you're the Jazz, you're trying to find a different trade for Conley. But I think if you're the Jazz, if you can get Barrett – I mean, if you can – I mean, if you're the Knicks, if you can somehow keep Barrett in that way – 
because my other trade idea was you just throw Barrett and Fournier in a first round draft pick at it and you're getting and you get Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I feel like that's not a bad trade either. I mean, the issue I really hope he doesn't go to the Knicks because that's just a terrible fit. Like yes. their off big offseason called called calling card was let's sign a two guard slash point guard. Right. And Jalen Brunson. And oh, let's let's get into Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes and make another big trade for another combo guard. And I get you got to put your name out there if you're in New York and you have the market draw. And there's been rumors in the past that Mitchell wants to play in New York, blah, blah, blah. Right. I understand why they're doing it because Donovan Mitchell's a great player. But still, from a roster fit, especially if you're getting rid of Randall, your three best players are guards. And they're kind of all combo like. Not, right. not one is a really true point guard and not one is a really like true off ball shooting guard either. So it's right. really weird fit. I've even say that maybe their fourth best player is Derek Rose. Like, Oh, hold on. I, hold on. I don't know who their fourth best player is. If they're getting rid of Randall and Fournier, who the hell else do they have? Mitch Robinson. Okay. Hold on. Let's not even try throwing Fournier in their top four currently. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just mean. That's not even true. I mean, the Knicks are already trying to dish off Fournier earlier on in this offseason. So he's at least a starter. True. You're right. I guess that's fair. And I, I think know. Rose was really valuable for him last year in spurts. And um, especially two years ago, he was really valuable for them. But I don't know. I think it's a weird fit. Um, oh, I agree. And it, there'd I, be two combo guards working together. And that just doesn't yeah. seem like it would add up. Plus, I think Barrett's more of a three anyways. I think he's more of a mm. swing man anyways. I don't think he's like technically a two guard, but I also can be very wrong because the NBA sure. is just such a positionless sport at this point. So it's really what the F ever. I think the market for Mitchell, though, is going to be really busy because unlike KD and Kyrie, I think the Jazz would be open to taking picks back. They showed that with Gobert. Picks and a bunch of role guys. If you, the Knicks, they don't really have, in my opinion, a star to offer. I mean, sure, you could throw Randall in that mold, but right. Even my my favorite landing spot for him would be Philadelphia. God, because uh, I honestly think I am kind of bullish on Philadelphia coming into this year. I think Harden won't be as bad as he was toward the end of last year, and I've liked what they've done a little bit in the off season. And if they're able to add somebody like Mitchell really, really good roster around Embiid, and they finally get that second creator and takes a little bit off Harden's plate. You can dump Tobias Harris. Like, that's a really easy dump off, I think, if you're – easy decision if you're Philly. And then you got some other young players you can you can dump off and obviously some picks if they have them. Um, I think that's a good landing spot. The Heat have incredible depth. I think that Tyler Harrow could be an interesting player in return for the Jazz. Right. Um so I think there's a lot of market value out there because I don't think the Jazz are necessarily only going to take back one or two good players, like it, like the Nets are saying they only want for KD. I th- all right, so I'm trying to think about that. If you're the Sixers, do you throw Tobias Harris and like Shake Milton and yeah, because the what they're gonna probably want is Tyrese Maxey Maxi and Tobias. Keep Maxey. All all you can do to keep Maxey. Right, and that's what I'm thinking. Like you probably have you, you're doing everything you can to keep Maxi, so that way you can like bring him off the bench. I feel like that would be like a that's like the perfect role for Maxi. Because like don't get me wrong, he was a great point guard for the Sixers last year, but I think his best role is being that backup backup point guard or being like just a six man on a championship team. I feel like that's his best way he can provide, especially right now in his career. 
right now in his career, I think this is the best way he can grow. So I think the best trade that would be enticing to the Jazz in terms of players would be Harris and Thibel instead of Milton. And the Sixers don't want Thibel. That's been clear. They were offering right. him under uh, trades during draft. And I part your ways, a lot of bad juju the last couple of seasons. He's an offensive liability down the stretch. We know that. But I think the Jazz would value him because he's a known commodity on defense. Mm-hmm. And they're, they've shown a history with Gobert, you know, sort of letting those guys play a big role in their roster. So I, I think that could be a really enticing package for the Jazz. And I think Philly 100% will pull the trigger on that. I think they're going to be really aggressive. They haven't been talked about a lot, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're the team where he lands. I wouldn't be surprised if they dumped Harris for him. I mean, that's that's not a bad take either. Uh, Harris goes to Utah. Then you almost have to think Marjanovic somehow ends up his way in Utah too, which bring that bring that uh, mm. romance back together. Um, but yeah, I could see that. That's not a bad idea at all. I I just I think the Jazz are going to want the same kind of package that they got for Gobert. That's the issue. I think they're going to want like a either because Tobias Harris is an overpaid like third best guy on a championship team. However, we've seen him succeed like in crappy situations. We saw him do well in Detroit. We saw him do whenever he was just like they're they basically their go mate like go to guy outside of Drummond. And then whenever he was in the Clippers, he was basically their one or two like their second best guy on that team and mm-hmm. he showed up there. Both teams were eight seed eight seeds in the playoffs one time when he was there. So I mean it works out. So I'm interested to see how it goes, but I don't know man. It's it seems very iffy on how also, teams are open to taking a contract like Tobias Harris's contract is my next thing. That's fair. And, I mean, yeah, it'd be different because I just don't think the Sixers can sacrifice the depth that the Timberwolves did right? and expect to get away with it. And they, I don't know if they have the draft capital um, mm-hmm. to sort of offer up like Minnesota did as well. I just think when you compare it to the Rudy Gobert deal in this hypothetical trade with Tobias Harris, Thibel, and whatever – I mean, I would say Thibel's a question mark, but they're definitely getting the best player back compared right. to what the Timberwolves gave them. Like Tobias Harris is head and shoulders above everybody that they received back from Minnesota. And then Thibel, you can even make the argument that he would be the second best player. Um, I think you could also, an interesting piece could be Paul Reed. I think a lot of people liked what he did in the playoffs, just kind mm-hmm. of a spark plug off the bench. I don't know if the Sixers want to give him up, um, but I think that could be just sort of like what Minnesota did. Give, give him some role players, some guys that you can easily plug in there. You know they can play, and then you hunt for the star in the draft, and he could be another piece they throw in there to get Mitchell. Very good point. Very good point. I don't hate it. All right. Awesome. That's our Donovan Mitchell talk, and I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> cool. Uh, the other trade swirling around, which you mentioned last week, um, and we don't need to discuss at length is Kevin Durant, which appears to still be in a holding pattern. We'll see if the Donovan Mitchell trade is waiting on the KD news to drop. It seems like some things like that are, are the case, like with Aiton. Yeah, I don't know what's um, happening particular. there. I need something to tell because I've also heard that there's supposed to be, there could be like a massive four-team trade, including Brooklyn, Phoenix, Indiana, and um, Miami. I heard something like that. Or, sorry, sorry, sorry. Brooklyn, Phoenix, Indiana, and um, Utah. So, some mm. like somehow Donovan Mitchell gets moved in the trade, too. 
and Aiton and KD are all like a blockbuster trade. That's what I've heard. It could be in the mix, but I don't know if it's actually going to happen. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, it's Kevin Durant's asking price from what the Nets has what has been released. For example, they offered, I think, before the Gobert news, Kevin Durant for Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert, or sorry, and Carl Anthony Towns, and it's like. Why no. would the Timberwolves do that? Like, all right, then you have nobody and KD. Like, why is that a better situation for, for him? Plus, does he want to stay in Minnesota? Like, why are you even asking for that? So if that's what Sean Marks, the GM for the Nets, is wanting, I don't know if he's going to get it because all of these championship teams can't clean house. And then the whole reason they're getting Kevin Durant is to contend. And then all the pieces they let go make them unable to contend. Like the Suns, for example. I think you could probably survive without Bridges and Aiton, but mm-hmm. the Bridges question is still a question. I don't necessarily know if that's a sure thing. Um, and there are a lot of every other team on that list, uh, his list that has been floated around. Um, if you give up two really quality starters, I'm pretty sure all of those teams, it's not a sure thing that they're going to contend for the title. Um, Basically, so you you're could, just stuck with what team you have in Brooklyn at that point. Right. And you could argue Brooklyn is the best pure basketball situation. Now, probably not from a camaraderie and team perspective and et cetera, God, but no. from the players on the roster and I ideal state, probably the best basketball situation, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that stuff. And if that news drops, we'll be sure to hop on a podcast, but for now, Mitch, we're going to do more fun things. Uh, and you're going to share your top 25 list of all time. Um, I know you've been creating this. You have a list of 50, I believe. Uh, yeah, but let's take a quick break though before we even get into sure. like the top 25 list, and then we can then we can we, then we'll do the firm introduction to this okay. list. Sounds good. All right, we're gonna be right back. We're back. Mitchell has been sweating over the potential public discourse that will follow the release. I literally of don't care what people list. think. I literally don't care. I'm just putting my, it's my, it's like my list of like, I don't, I didn't care when people like, if people wanted to see my movie reviews that I put on Twitter, like, like three years ago, I could care less. But like at this point, like, anyway, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm always also, I'm always sweating. So it's just not like, it's not anything new either. So it's just like, what are we doing? <laughs> well, you've been, in your own lab that has no science involved um, discussing and thinking about who to put where you have a list of 50, but we're only going to share 25. There are some current players on this list, but many have already obviously retired. Some are far before most are far before our time, but Mitch has scoured the former finals games and the big games these players have played in and is a true historian of the game. So Looking forward to hearing your list, Mitch. But before we actually list off all the players, I want to hear, and I'm sure the listeners want to hear exactly how you came to this list, sort of what methodology your factors have gone into this in this ranking. Yeah, and so what I'll start off is this. I'm a, I try to be like a humble person about a lot of things in life. But one thing I'm like also just very selfish and like I know I know a lot about is just like NBA history and like for the people of our generation, like anyone who like is from like 26 to 21, I like to think I'm one of the more smarter people when it comes to just NBA history. Wouldn't you agree, Aaron? Yeah, totally. Cool. Thank you. But like, so 
what I did was if you've ever read the book of basketball, it's written by Bill Simmons. Yes. I'm promoting another podcaster right now, but whatever. It's also one of me and Aaron's favorite podcasters to listen to. So he talks about in this book about the secret and the secret of being like a winning player, being a winning player and like how you'll do any, you'll do anything for your team to win a, win a championship. That's kind of where like I started with this list. And like, I didn't, I'm not going to look at, I'm not using Bill Simmons as like my barometer of like my list. I have gone way too far back. I've watched way too many historic NBA games. Like, yeah, I've watched the hardwood classics about damn near all of them. And then I've also just done like way too many YouTube searches to watch just like any random game that like could be out there. Cause I've heard of all the historic games. I think about the 84 like Celtic sun series that went historically to three overtimes when it shouldn't have. Uh, I think about the Sonics, um, the Sonics Wizards series, the both of them that were happening in 78 and 79 that were crazy series. I also have watched almost every Celtics Lakers series from the 80s. Um, and in the 90s, I mean, Aaron came home one day from sophomore year of college, and I was watching the 19, 1997 NBA Finals game one of the Utah Jazz Chicago Bulls. I don't know what I was doing that day. It was during finals week. Probably should have been studying for finals, but no, I was just watching historic basketball games. I have – so when it came to my methodology of choosing, like, where people ranked, wondering – one was if they knew the secret, if they knew what it took to be an actual winning player on a championship team. Two – how many, like, of course, championships they won also plays a factor into it. Yes, I am. I am also counting the fact that Bill Russell won 11 championships. I don't care. All right. I might be a little biased. Get over yourself. All right. One of the best players of all time. Um, three, were they the best player on those championship teams and where they kind of ranked on those championship teams? Also, just I'm counting regular season success. I'm going to count that because I think that still plays a factor into it. All NBA, all defensive, all that kind of stuff that kind of plays into it. All star stuff as well. Um, also if you led yours, if you let a stat in, like, if you let a stat for a season, like scoring leaders, rebound assist leaders all went into my methodology about it. Um, Aaron, I broke this, I broke my top 25 up into a few different subcategories. Um, and what I'm actually going to do, we talked about this before, I'm actually going to go from one to 25. It's a little different way, but everyone's going to want to hear the argument. I know of the top two. And if he, and if the top two isn't your top two, I know who's not in your top two. And we need to really talk about this and really have a heart to heart and a mental conversation and maybe put you in therapy. Um, like Bobby Marks, who has Steph Curry as a second all time that was released today or yesterday. <laughs> Aaron, we've already talked about Bobby Marks. Bobby Marks looks like he is a villain in a bad, in a bad spy kids movie. I mean, it's it like was Hydra. Just, yes. <laughs> but like the off parody version of it, yeah. like he, he's trying to be like in the comedy version of what Hydra yeah. was. So um, that's kind of where everything went. I love NBA. I'm not expecting I'm well, hold on. Let me start with this. I'm expecting a lot of bull crap. From, I mean, a lot of crap from what I ever I put out here. I totally am expecting that. I'm okay with that. I'm not saying I'm right. I also, am a, I'm also a person who also believes that uh, this list is always evolving. It's always changing, especially with, like Aaron said, there's a few active players on it. It's always moving back and forth. My number one always switches, and it will probably, it will probably stop switching when LeBron stop, stop, stops playing basketball. But until then, it is literally going back and forth between what I actually think is number the number one player of all time. So one, it could be one thing one day. I mean, I texted Aaron a screenshot of the list I had this morning, and since this morning it has changed like three different players. So I feel bad because Aaron's going to it half blind, but most of the time it's not. So we will see how this goes. I am excited for um, this to start. Yeah, that was a great intro. Um, 
and let's let's just get to it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop fucking around here. <laughs> Who is the best player of all time? Is it LeBron James or Stephen Curry or Nikola Jokic or <laughs> Michael Jordan, maybe? So my first subsection of players, there's five people in it. It's called my Mount, Rusher, Mount Rushmore plus one. Um, and in, in order from one to five, it is Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Magic Johnson. Um, this is not me saying... This I, Aaron has heard me one some days back. LeBron James is the best player of all time. He's also heard me some days back. Michael Jordan is the best player of all time. Last Dance, it was everyone was backing Michael Jordan as the best player of all time because welcome to Last Dance time. Um, I won't get super. I I we could I could go on for days about the arguments of both sides. What I'll say is this: Michael Jordan is the third in my mind. Michael Jordan is the third best scorer of all time. Like pure, like gets like can score at from anywhere kind of scorer of all time. But even in comparison to that, LeBron James is number one or number two best passer of all time. And you can make an argument for that as well. Um, Michael has 10 scoring titles and three steal titles, which I didn't, I totally forgot about three steal titles until doing really deep research into it. LeBron only has one scoring title, but he also has an assist title. You can take that with a grain of salt. And also, LeBron's made more finals and in a tougher league than what Michael was making finals in. Michael at least has gone 6-0, and has six finals MVPs, also has five regular season MVPs, and also a defensive player of the year. And in an in 80s defensive player of the year where there was – you're going up against teams who already – who like the Milwaukee Bucks who were known for their defense back then, the Celtics who were going crazy, the Pistons, of course, and this was the year when the Bad Boys Pistons was kind of created. The 87-88 season was when the Pistons were getting hot and crazy. And so that was that year that he won the defensive play of the year. It's kind of crazy. I love it all. And so that's kind of where I think about the top two. And we'll get to the next three, but I just want to hear your thoughts real quick just on that top two. I agree. Um, I've had Jordan number one for as long as I've been a basketball fan that ranks things. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't think it's a question right now. I think it's unfair to put an active player number one all time to begin right. with, period. If you if we want if LeBron wins another championship, I think there's a real question after he retires. But even until that point, I I wouldn't put him above Michael until he yeah. retires. I think you have to wait. Hindsight is much better than trying to analyze a player in their time. They can move up the list, sure thing, but being the best of all time and you haven't even stopped playing, I I don't subscribe to that philosophy. Um, I think one of the biggest differences is, yes, LeBron made so many different finals. I mean, he went to nearly 10 in a row, right? Right. Um, I would say if you look at some of the teams he's playing in the East during those years, in the Eastern Conference Finals, not awesome. Uh, you had the Celtics. Celtics were ferocious. The Pacers had a nice little stretch, but you oh. had some Hawks teams in there. You had... Um, I think he beat the Magic once. They also beat him when he was in the Cavs. Um, the Bulls were okay. But generally, it was kind of pencil in the Cavs, pencil in the Warriors for a lot of years there. And yeah. you could maybe say the same with Michael, but the East was pretty ferocious with those Piston teams back in the day. Um, the Knicks were an adversary that, while they always choked, they were right there with them a lot of those series. Um so I would hesitate to argue the fact that LeBron's had a tougher road. And that's another reason why Michael's number one for me also just never lost in a finals. Uh, you know, if you're taking part, if you're taking into account the secret 
I mean, he clearly unlocked that when it comes to winning at the highest level. Right. LeBron has had his share of failures, and that doesn't necessarily make him a, a bad player. It's just when you're comparing to a guy who's 6-0, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. So right now, I think you have the right order. If LeBron wins a title or two more or does other things for the next couple of years, which I'm sure he will, it's a conversation, but not until after he retires. Yeah, and if he wins a title now, he's going to be one of the oldest, like, true stars, superstars to ever do that. So that'd be kind of crazy to see that, and especially if he's, like, the best player on that team. So um, I won't really go into the argument of, like, the difference between the 90s East and the uh, whatever 2010s East because it's crazy. Pistons were dying off in the early 90s. They weren't as great. I mean, players were getting hurt like crazy. And honestly, like, Lambeer was not who he once was. Isaiah Thomas was getting like had an ankle injury that was never the same, and his his legs were never the same after that. Um, but hey, well, that's an it's an argument for another time. But I will say I think that's just where it should be right now. But yeah, um, your next your next three. Let's just tick through this. Bill Russell, number three, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Magic Johnson. So one Celtic and two Lakers. Um, I know. So, I don't know what I'm doing. So far outnumbering your Mount Rushmore. That's, that's, that's gotta be tough. Let's put it this way. I have more Lakers in my top 10 than I do Celtics. And I just need everyone to get over. I noticed it. like for, I, for, for a few seconds here, um, Bill Russell's the second best teammate of all time. Uh, the, I, I have like a few highlights for a few of these guys. Best teammate of all time. Kareem's the best, has the most unstoppable shot of all time. And then Magic is either number one or number two passer of all time. It's either him or Michael. I mean, him or uh, LeBron in my mind. Um, the diff, and then I mean, you can go through all their accolades and everything. Um, I mean, for Kareem to only have two Finals MVPs though, one with the Bucks, one with the Lakers. Um, but Ineos, should have three. The one that Magic won his rookie year was kind of bullshit. I think in my mind, he had one great game in Game Six. If Kareem wasn't hurt, it, it would have been all Kareem's in my mind. So it's whatever. Um, still doesn't change the fact that Magic Johnson is one of the best passers of all time. Uh, I've at times floated between him being at four and Kareem at five. But then at, at the end of the day, Kareem has the scoring record. That's just my mind. And he, like I said, the most unstoppable shot in NBA history, the sky hook that everyone knows and everyone still tries to shoot their garbage into the garbage can with that we used to do sophomore year of college. I mean, we didn't call it the Kobe. We did the Kareem. That's what we did. So I, I, and also Bill Russell, he's the greatest winner in NBA history. No one's ever going to pass him. He's got 11 titles, eight in a row during the stretch. He was, he went to 13 finals. It's ridiculous. He's 11 and two in finals history. And people will say, Oh my God, he was playing against 10 teams. Congratulations. You get what you get. You play against what you're going up against. I mean, you get what you get. I'm not going to whine and complain about it. And people are going to say, oh, my gosh, she was, like, going up against trash man and garbage man. Congratulations. They're the best garbage men out there. I don't care. It's the best. You're you're going up against what you're going up against. I'm not. You can't complain about it. It's whatever. So I, I'm a firm believer that all that he could play in today's NBA and be a better version of whatever the heck Draymond Green is for the Warriors. That's what I'll say. Yeah, it's tough comparing Draymond Green and then saying he's the third best. So I always well, no, no, and I, I'm saying like the incredible no, version, best version, version. No, I get it, but it's it's just tough to even like think through your head when oh, you yeah, say right. that. Um, four times, I mean, I, four time rebounding champ at six eight. I have a hard time with Bill Russell because he's the greatest winner of all time in any sport, pretty much. Um, you could make the argument across sports, I guess, but in basketball for sure. Well, I mean, um, and two uh, two college championships at University of San Francisco, and then a, an Olympic gold medal before he went pro. 
That's and he had to as a player coach, like, and I mean, he was just super outspoken when it came to civil rights and was Absolutely. a leader in, in that. Like, this is what I took into account a little bit too is how they changed the game. Um, and it's just tough when you compare him to Wilt because when you talk about being a winning player and a great teammate, etc., Bill Russell far and away, but yeah. the pure skill talent, it's Wilt, like, not even close. And I mean, he's like, who the hell is going to average over 50 points a game ever again? Like, we can get to Wilt later when you name him, but the NBA literally had to change their rules because of this man. Like, he was that dominant. They changed dozen, like, five or six rules that I know of um, that were just absurd because he was just dominating people. And I get, yes, he's not even close to scratching Bill Russell's championship title number, but nobody ever is going to be. Like, nobody's ever going to win that much. Um, I just think considering how dominant he was, I think that's still an argument. I would still have Bill Russell ahead of him, but I think the gap is just tough to wrap my head around. And then when it comes to Kareem and Magic, I think that's the right order. I think you said it eloquently, and Magic's for sure the best point guard ever. I mean, we can get to the next guy who's who's going to be named here in a little bit, but yeah. um, Magic's number one. So that's I think it's a solid top five. All right. Appreciate it. Um, my next three are in the category called the game changers. Um, and you, I think you hit it perfectly. Uh, you talked about it a little bit earlier, like magic was, I mean, magic and bill and cream roll game changers and the, all five of those guys in the top five, but these next three were not a part of my Mount Rushmore, but they're a part of the people who truly changed the game for what it is today. Um, and this is where my order got a little switched up number. It goes in order from six to eight. Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, and Steph Curry. You, yeah, it's it's uh, changed list a little bit. Um, this is where the Celtics bias comes in a little bit, but even still, I I'll start I'll start with Larry Bird. Larry Bird pre Steph Curry was the greatest shooter of all time. Pre Kevin Durant was the greatest scorer of all time. Most and I I will stand by that till the, my dying breath. The and. People will say, well, look at his stats. Look at his scoring stats. Yeah, congratulations. He was averaging high 20s every over 27 points almost every year. And he didn't have to be the leading scorer in the NBA. He was also surrounded by Kevin McHale, who he also was dishing the ball stacked, up to. Stacked fucking team. Stacked fucking like, team. And he was the best player. Five all-stars, right? Starters. Uh, six Hall of Famers. Six Hall yeah, of Famers on that 86-87 team. Now, we'll say Bill, Bill Walton and Dennis Johnson were all like old and decrepit. Excuse me. But even still, that team was stacked. It was ridiculous. Um, Tim Duncan is the greatest teammate of all time. Greatest teammate of all time. I will stand by that to my dying breath. Yes, it's a little biased because he's my second favorite player of all time. But even still, being a part of the amount of five championships was a finals MVP for three or for three of them. Probably should have been four. Yes, it could. I I think the fact that tony parker won that one in 06 or 07 kind of bullshit is to think it should have been duncan but that's just me but whatever um also the fact that he was a 15 time all nba and 15 time all defensive uh just represent representative is ridiculous in his seven 18 19 years in the nba that's that's massive um and then steph curry greatest shooter of all time changed the game for what it is today and then two-time scoring champ First, first unanimous All MVP when as as he was a back to back MVP, first time Finals MVP, and that's what pushed him over the edge in the top ten. 
it jumped him up from 15 to eight. Yes, that's crazy jump. But even still, this is this crazy finals was to do it with the team he had this year, which was weirdly injured, weirdly just just a weird team. I think for him to like lead it as well as he did, and he probably should have two finals MVPs. The Iggy MVP is just ridiculous in my mind, but whatever. Congratulations, you held LeBron James to over 30 points a, a game. Congratulations. Um, plus, he's also number three on my teammates, but top three teammates of all time. He he also cracks that list. So I think that's my next three. I'll let you go into it from there. Yeah, I mean, I saw your list before it was changed, and obviously, you know, the guy that was bumped down three spots. And I will get, uh, I will get into that. I thought about at nine, but um, I honestly don't disagree with the move. Like that was going to be one of my thoughts. Is I thought Bird and Duncan should have been ahead of he who must not be named Um, until later. (laughs) Yeah, and I think Steph Curry is a great. I mean, I think he's he's in my top ten. Where you put him, it's got to be below five. Bobby Marks, get your head out of your ass. Please get out of the recency bias that everybody loves to do right after somebody wins a title. Um, we could think back to every single title ever and talk and go back and see how the media has talked about the best player on that, that winning team. And it's been insane. Um, like for example, Dirk Nowitzki, who I love um, was listed above Tim Duncan on some lists that I was looking at in preparation for this. And it's like, man, Dumbasses. You cannot do that. Um, Tim Duncan's a great player. I would question how he changed the game, though. So my, I, I, I say it's this. There's a reason why it's called the Mister Fundamental. That's because I mean because even before before he had his leg injury and pretty much changed who he was before that, he was an infinitely more athletic guy, and which gave him so much, which made him so much fun to watch. Like pre 2004, before him getting hurt, it was so much fun to watch him play basketball. And even after that, it was a lot of fun. What he gave was middle school basketball coaches, the, the, the one to have an actual big man who could shoot and score and like actually make plays. But he, he changed the game and the fact that you want to have a big man who can create for your team. And like, Yes, you had guys pre him who could do that, but not in the passing level that he had, not in the defensive. I mean, and you had great defend, defensive big men and great scoring big men before that, but just how he did it in a culture that was already shifting in it and how he did it, I think is incredible. But even in later in his career, when he knew and to go to, to the secret thing, he knew he wasn't going to be the guy in that series against yeah. the Heat in 2013-14, but he also knew when it was his time to throw up 20 and 15 in a game, and he did that. And so I, I think for him to be as – and that's the thing, consistency was the other thing I was thinking about when it came to Tim Duncan, was yeah. him being as well as he did uh, and as consistently as he did on a bum leg for like 13, 12 years was incredible. Yeah, and what I like about this top eight so far is that every single player plays two ways. Yeah. Um, and that's something we take for granted. Or I guess we definitely – I don't know. There are some players in the NBA that get a lot of credit for doing that, and it just doesn't happen any anymore. But right. when you look back at these historical guys, like all of the great players did it both ways. Yeah. For a period of time, even LeBron – did it but now he clearly doesn't like he's the only guy that maybe has an asterisk there but as you said Duncan was great on defense Curry even has improved over time like I don't think it's been for lack of effort it's just been build and all that sort of stuff and how much energy he expends offensively like he's constantly running around more than any other player before him has so 
I think it's tricky, but I like that aspect of your list too. Back to the Duncan point, talking to like how a big man can stretch the floor a bit. I would say maybe KG is credited with the, that revolution, being drafted yeah. two years before, sort of establishing that more mid-range offensive game. Um, but, I mean, Duncan is better than Kevin Garnett, so I'm not trying to say Kevin Garnett's better, but in terms of just poking a hole in that argument, you could say yeah. KG was the first to really do that. But also, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was shooting it from 15, 17 feet too. It was just a freaking hook shot. So right. it's, well, it's, it's just different. Absolutely. And like Carl Malone was doing it too. I just yeah. mean more so to do it as – because here's the difference between KG pre-Celtics and Carl Malone ever. They were never looking to pass. That was the difference between Tim Duncan, mm. all the better chemistry that he – and the ability to have that chemistry that he had with those guys, like whether it was Ginobili, Parker, Bruce Bowen, later on with um, Kawhi, any of the guys that they had on that team it seemed he knew where everyone was going to be. And it wasn't like he was known for his passing. He's not like Jokic making no look passes by any means, but it was precise. It was consistent. And it was, it was, it's everything you expect from a Popovich like guy. Then like also just how well he did it. So I, and also just go back to your KG argument. Yes. But I also believe if you flip KG and Duncan and put and like put KG and Duncan situation, I don't think they win as many championships. Mm. That's just, just in my personality wise. Yeah, I just think personality-wise, I don't think I don't think it would be like an issue with difference with with Popovich because Popovich could reel that energy that KG had into a different way. I think it was just a totally. I think just the way he would work with Parker and Ginobili would be a lot different than how we saw Duncan do it. But maybe I'm wrong. I again, I am not afraid to be wrong. I'm also not afraid to know that my opinion and like have my opinion questioned. I just also just this is just what I think. All right. Well, that's one for one through eight. We've gone through two different subsections. What's subsection number three and who's number nine? So number nine is the dominant player is going to be titled the dominant players. Uh, this is nine through 13. So we got a whole five people here going from nine to going from nine to 13. We got Shaq, Wilt, Hakeem, Kobe, Katie. Uh, this is the part that kind of flipped a lot, uh, kind of switched up a lot in my recent research. Um, Shaq was the one who fell. Here's what I'll just go into real quick before we go into anything else. The reason why he fell, he's one of the most dominant players in NBA history. We all love the dunk. We all have seen the dunking video of him dunking and shoving his nuts right in Chris Dudley's face. We've also seen the video of him in the magic when he tears off the rim and he breaks the entire backboard. We've seen every video. What we never see is the last four minutes of a basketball game where he can't make a free throw. And so he, those last four minutes, you never know what you're going to get from Shaq, whether he's fouled out, whether he can't shoot free throws, or whether or not he's just going to be sitting over there and just doing nothing, sitting, standing in the corner, letting Kobe do his thing. Shaq in those first three championship teams was the best player on those championship teams. There's a reason why he won the finals MVP for those. Totally agree. Totally agree. But once he hit that like finals, when he won with the Heat, it all went a little downhill. Ever, I mean, when he went to the Suns, it was a little weird. It wasn't like a complete – he didn't look like himself anymore. When he went to Cleveland, it was just like, ha, huh, you're clearly ring chasing with LeBron. You're trying to just get number five. Then he goes to Boston, and then it just got really weird because the man couldn't get three inches off the ground, and I didn't know what I was getting out of him at that point. And so Shaq was just a weird it, – it got weird. He got hurt a few times in Miami, and it just like deteriorated his career after that. And so we like to remember those magic and those Lakers years. And we like to remember that heat first finals, but no one wants to remember what happened after that. 
great player first half of his career that last uh, three-fourths of his career the last fourth of it just gets weird and i just like to and people like to forget about it and i know one of our best friends logan ball who's probably one of the bigger shack fans we know is going to hate that i'm saying that but it's just how it is and that's why he fell i still think the fact that you know he was a two-time scoring champ as a center during a uh, time when wing guys were the main scorers i mean uh, guards were like the main scorers like michael and you had kobe coming after him and iverson as well i mean you were in a weird like transition period i think it also plays into a fact that he was playing no offense during the late 90s and early 2000s one of the worst times in nba just like talent wise post 1980 his talent wise was a weird time we were having memo core in the all-star game that's my always my go-to um whenever i think about just that kind of time like all NBA teams are all just super weird. I think he's an incredible player, one of the most dominant players, and that's why he's number nine. But he fell down my list because, one, what can we expect from him from the last four minutes of the game? And, two, he was playing in just a weird time in NBA. So that's why I have him nine. I know that was one guy you wanted to kind of talk about a little bit more, but we'll get into that. The year 2000, the Lakers' first championship, Kobe Bryant right. averaged 15 points per game. Right. Shaq was the finals MVP, 38 points per game. rebounds per game, 2.7 blocks. I mean, massive. And that Pacers team wasn't bad. Like, it was old. That's what I'll say. It was old. It had Chris Mullins. It had had Rick Smith, who was just weird and had stupid knees. Reggie Miller was good, but like, was he? And then we, and then you had Mark Jackson. So I agree with you. He also was going up against Rick Smith, who could be pushed around like a, a, a rag doll. So, yeah. And in 2001, Kobe got a lot better. I think he upped his finals yeah. to finals points to like 24.6. But the fact that Shaq was even able to do that in a single finals might be one of the best finals performances ever. I think you could probably put it in the top five. Yeah. Um, I mean, extremely, the category is per- perfectly named, dominant. Like, yeah. When he wanted to be offensively the dude, he could not be stopped. And yeah. Teams started to figure out how to expose him on defense, like just running all the yeah. time. Obviously, Hackershack became a thing and has been emulated for other players. Dwight Howard, the most common one right after him, yeah. um, who branded himself as Superman and therefore got the Superman treatment. Um, but I personally love Shaq. I mean, yeah, I agree. Once you hit post Miami Heat finals, it's just a different player. But you have to take into effect he played 20 damn years in the NBA. So, like, mm-hmm. he had already logged, what, 14, 13 years under his belt at that point. Yeah. Um, and was incredibly dominant. Uh, averaged almost 30 points twice, three times. Um, led the league in scoring twice, I believe. Yeah. Um, rebounds were incredible, obviously. And then on the defensive end, when he wanted to be a great defender, I mean, he was a menace, too. So, I'm glad you have him in your top 10. I understand why he fell past the last couple guys, but Shaq is arguably the most dominant player physically ever. Yeah, totally agree with you. And I don't disagree at all. And I want to also note that we have one, two, three, four, four Lakers making my top 10. And I'm not counting Shaq's one year as a Celtics. So we have two Celtics in the top 10. Um, Will Chamberlain's number 10. We kind of hit on him earlier. You kind of hit on the fact that he was a very dominant player. I completely agree. The man was also the, one of the biggest stat chasers we've ever had in NBA history. This man literally, there are videos of this man during games because he led these. He led the NBA in assists one year. People don't know that. 
He led the NBA in assists one year, but it was also because his scoring went down like the below 20. And he was like, I'm literally not going to score. There are literal videos. He's standing under the rim and he will not lay it in because he wants to just dip it off to freaking. I don't remember who their power forward was like Erickson. I don't remember his first name, but he literally was just like, here, go make a layup. I'm going to lift you up with my palm and just like lay you in. You most, one of the more, again, dominant player. But like the reason like, his team's never won was because he only went stat padding. Billy Cunningham also hated him for the, when he was on the Sixers. Rick Barry, also notably not a really good teammate at all, also hated Will Chamberlain. <laughs> and like Rick Barry never had issues with teammates. Team, teammates had issues with him. Rick Barry had an issue with Will Chamberlain. Um, you talked about his 100-point game. Yes, there's no other player that's ever going to have 100 points in an NBA game. You know what also happened that game? That was the one game he ever shot underhand uh, free throws. And that's why he went like 26 for 32 from the free throw line that game. And after that, he's like, I look like a dummy. Yeah. You also would shot, shot it better 57% from the free throw line. If you would have, if you would have shot underhand, you dingus, you probably would have had the scoring record. We, I mean, you probably would have the scoring record before cream right now, if you did that. And yes, he did average a 55 point season. That is incredible. No doubt about it. No other guy on that team was averaging double digits. And no other guy on that team was averaging like over eight points that season. It was ridiculous. I mean, that team was terrible. I mean, there's a reason why he had to. And so I think he's, I don't disagree with you. One of the most dominant players in NBA history. The reason why he did, and the reason why he's fell down this list, because the secret was not as deep within him. Like his want to be a good teammate. And the, re, and the reason why he, they didn't win, he didn't win as much is because he just was like only thinking about himself. During the assist season, which was 1967-1968, he averaged 24.3 points per game. Thank you for the correction. 23.8 rebounds. Yeah. 8.6 assists. So and his peak year was 1961-1962. He averaged 50.4 points per game, 25.7 rebounds per game. I mean, it's just incomprehensible. Like, you just... I get the stat padding, but man, the dude could do it. So I don't care if you're that dominant and nobody can stop you stat pad all you want. Um, but when, when will you do it then? When will you do it? What do you mean? When, when a championship while you do it, he oh. only won't, that's what, sorry. That's what I meant. Like I win a championship while you do it. I mean, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's my only thought process behind it. You, you can stat pad all you want. So did James Harden. Look where he got him. Yeah. Yeah, but also Wilt's on it in a different stratosphere. I talked about some of the rules that changed because of him. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to list off a few. I don't know if you know these. Yeah. So the, the league literally widened the lane. Yeah. Because it was <laughs> impossible so to guard him. Uh, they outlawed players from rebounding missed free throws before the ball touched the rim. Probably a good rule, but... I'm just yeah, I, well, that, that should have been. Like, I feel like that should have been before him, anyways. I, I feel like that, but again, this was a, a time when the NBA was evolving too, so I get it. It's just alley oops as a free throw. Like, what's going on? Or um, like swats away during a free throw. Yeah, uh, change the definition of offensive goaltending. So basically, yeah, he was blocking every single shot. And then one thing that I found hilarious: didn't allow inbounds passes over the basket. So they were throwing him alley oops over the basket, just like trying to get it right in front of the rim and then just having him jump up and get it. Yeah. So that tells you like they'd change all those things because of will. And, and they probably all should have been changed anyways, but yes, you're I right. agree, but <laughs> nobody was good enough to make them do it and say, see how stupid they were. Cause everybody else was just laying it up and, and hanging out and being very respectful. And what comes in is like, I'm dropping a hundred on you fools. Like it is, 
is this it was on the Knicks too. People forget it was just on the Knicks ass too, and that definitely is where it, it was deserved. But you know, they they had the two titles after that, but even after that, it's been all downhill since then. It's a um, conversation. I mean, I think I'm glad he's in your top ten because statistically, he's he's a unicorn. But I get all the stuff you're saying too about the teammate, the winning, and etc. So I respect it. And 11 and 12 and 13 were the rest of your section here. Yeah, Hakeem, I, I'll just skim past him real quick because I, I Hakeem's one of my favorite players to play with in 2K. His teams all suck ass, so I feel bad for him on that. Um, the weird Twin Tower situation with him and Ralph Sampson was weird. Uh, he was one of the crazier – like he won MVP, two finals MVPs, and then two defensive player of the years. Um, led the league in three uh, – led the league in blocks three times and led the league in rebounds twice. Probably this one number one or number two best defensive big man of all time. I mean, there's no if, and, or buts about it because he can guard every position as a center. Um, it's fluid on offense. He's known for just his post moves, the, the dream, like the up up fake on every guy's. It's great. So I love Hakeem. Um, I so number twelve. I know people are going to be pissed about number twelve being Kobe Bryant being outside the top ten and post mortem. I get it. I mean, post career, I totally get it. But people also have him up in their top three. I need people to just really shove that down and shove that down back to through the toilet and not the tube. So I just need that to get just gonzo beans. He won five finals, won two finals MVPs, probably only should have won one. I'm the biggest proponent of him not winning that 2009 10 finals MVP. Really believe it should have gone to Pau Gasol. And so, in that sense, he was not even the best player on four of his final teams. I, I mean, in the finals, Shaq was. We talked about earlier Shaq's dominance in those first three finals was so important to them winning. He also played on some really crappy teams, like during the mid 2000s. I'll let him have it. He also has the second highest point game ever of all time. I'll let him have I totally get it. He also was a two time scoring champ and a one one time MVP. Incredible player. Totally get it. One of, more, one of the more clutch scorers we'll see in the NBA. Just totally don't. And he's a great defender. That again, another two way guy we kind of talked about earlier i just don't get it how he's a top five player in nba history it never made sense to me and so and i i also never really liked him post and during his career but post career learn to respect him learn to love like what he did for the game and he was an idol to guys like a bunch a bunch of guys our age just never got it never understood it and it just sticks to me that he's top 15 number 12 but never made it top 10 yeah and your next guy's kevin durant right um yeah Man, it's tough because from a winning perspective, you got to put Kobe because Kevin won, basically had to gold, go go to Golden State to win a championship. And he won two and he was the best player and he won finals MVP. Yes, like he made that team even better and was a primary reason why they won. But they were already great and already won a title. Like I get what you're saying about Kobe. I already mentioned this on the on the podcast about Shaq being the best player in those first two seasons for sure. But from then on, Kobe was the leader of that team and mm-hmm. was very abrasive and wasn't a great teammate and had ups and downs, like requested a trade multiple times from the Lakers. Yeah. It was a bad situation, but he was dedicated at the end of the day and his work ethic is almost unmatched um, on the, on the guys on this list, at least it, in, in how it's advertised, it's unmatched for sure. Of course. Welcome to um, LA. But, I mean, even just think about it when we were growing up, like, 
saying Kobe when you're shooting a fadeaway at Absolutely, the gym. Totally like, agree. It is a ubiquitous thing that we grew up with, and you're not nobody's saying Jordan like unless you're doing the tongue out like it's because you can't do what Jordan can do, <laughs> but you can try to shoot a fadeaway at, in the wreck and you can say Kobe and get away with it. And it's, it's, it's a generational thing. Like Kobe was a guy of our generation and very popular. Um, and so I think that's going to be hard for a lot of people to swallow, but when you break it down, I think he's in the right place. And it's even a tough argument with Kevin. Cause I think Kevin Durant might be a better player, raw player, but mm. he doesn't have the winning there right now. Yeah. I think they are both in the same situation. Bryant needed Shaq and the Lakers. Katie needed the Warriors and Steph Curry to win titles. Now that's especially early on for Kobe. He won that Magic Finals and he was great during that. Great job. But you also kind of needed Pau Gasol a little bit. But Pau Gasol in that series needed you. You need to Pau against the Celtics both times. You were happy you had him that second time. So also a bad Magic team, <laughs> very bad Magic team without Jameer Nelson. People like to forget Rafer Olsen was their starting point guard that series. So that's my other thing. Even though they were fun, I loved that Magic. They were very fun. They're no. wish they were a two K team. Um, yeah. The other thing is Katie's. I and we both think this. Katie's probably the best scorer of all time. This was like a little thought in my brain against after the Celtics series, but then I thought to myself, wait. This man's playing with Kyrie Irving, who we have no idea what the heck is going on in that man's head, mm-hmm. and a pile of dog shit. So I yeah. really just don't – I really can't compare – I can't take that into effect um, whenever I'm trying to think about Kevin Durant shooting. No. So to me, he's still the greatest shooter of all time, and I'm just going to let that be. He's a seven. He's a seven-foot guard. Like, there's nobody like him ever. Talk about mm-hmm. – I mean, I don't know if he changed the game, but he changed the way that the NBA executives and GMs scout players. Like, yeah. guys like Chet Holmgren, look at every single – great player now in the top three like all of those guys are skilled seven footers basically like it's it basically i mean that yeah paulo's a little bit shorter jabari's a little bit shorter but that's that's no, yeah, I, I get what you're saying though. Giannis, Jokic, like but even kd doesn't move like that and he's an incredible sharpshooter who now he's shooting more contested jumpers than ever and he's yeah. as efficient as ever <laughs> like yeah. he's in, he's insane so he deserves to be in the top 15 for sure it is tough to get past the winning and what now another trade request. Like what I love about a lot of these guys that you've mentioned is they have been loyal to their team. Minus LeBron. And right. LeBron, Kobe, and Wilt. I mean, yes, Kobe stayed in LA, but he was not loyal to his team. I don't want to hear that. Wilt but, wasn't either. I don't want to hear that. Wilt no, played like for four different teams. Or three different not teams. that. And not even Shaq really, but the rest of these guys, MJ, Bill Russell, Kareem, Magic, Bird, Duncan, uh, Kareem left. Kareem the box maybe, it. yeah, yeah. We but can we still, can talk about that's another that's another conversation for another time. But I see what you're not saying. even Sorry. close to the KD LeBron Shaq realm yeah. though. No, you're right. So I mean, I, I for me that's just that's just a 50 year old man take. But I, <laughs> I do I do like the long term camaraderie, and I think we've seen recently in the NBA that those types of championships mean more. Definitely yeah. in 2011 with Dirk. Last this past year with Steph, it meant more to him to be the uh, Finals MVP, and he's been around that team like it was very emotional. Giannis, um, yeah. you know, I think that's going to be a thing that we're going to see the next couple of years is player loyalty um, continuing because it, it it does mean more. And I think when you're ranking these types of things, it comes into account a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely, totally agree. And then, so one thing I wanted to do when I was thinking about all active players, one thing I'll say now. These are three of the four active players that we have on this list. Um, 
And when I'm trying to think about peaks for these three, four, these three active players, like how high they can actually get. I think LeBron's is that number one spot. I think that's the peak you can get. For me, Steph Curry is like that six, five or six spot, whether or not he can pass magic and be that actual true best point guard of all time. I think that's up for grabs. But I think that, and I think that's his peak, but do I actually think it will happen? We'll see. And I think Kevin Durant's peak is just making cracking the top 10, just cracking that top 10, whether or not he can pass Wilt and Shaq is a totally different thing, but I think that's his peak as we get into it. Um, I, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think number 10, um, I think passing Wilt, Kobe, and Hakeem is very feasible. I still have trouble putting him ahead of Shaq. Totally agree. Um, and that's where I would that's where I would think his peak is for me. Perfect. All right, awesome. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break because we're halfway through the list. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to finish from 14 to 25. We'll see you in a second. We're back. We're going to start with 14, and this is a section where there's literally just two players. It's called the Lost Souls. People don't like to think about them. People like to just forget they were there. One of them had a nice mini comeback there, like in 2016, like when everyone was trying to remember who did it before Russ. But so 14 and 15 are Moses Malone and Oscar Robertson, two of the guys who are pre-1980. Moses played in the little in the 80s. Well, actually, a lot in the 80s. He played the entire 80s and in the 90s. Um, and Oscar Robertson, who everyone likes to remember, was the first player to average a triple-double, did it in his second season ever, which was crazy to me. Um, so I'll start with Moses. He is one of my favorite players because he literally resembles the most underrated player of all time, to my, in my mind. He was one of the best rebounders of all time, six-time rebounding champ, three-time MVP, and a one-time finals MVP. Did it for the Sixers back in 83 the best player on that championship team clearly um he was a lot of fun that year and i like to have i like just to watch him and then you have robertson who's a one-time mvp and this is pre them having like a real and he, this is some of these were like pre them actually having a real mvp um 11 time all nba six time uh, assist leader and a one-time scoring leader um and everyone likes to, like i said everyone likes to remember his first year average of being the first person to ever average triple double it's a small list small category but it's specifically for the fact that these players were like more older guys. And, and these are names are quickly forgotten when you're thinking about these, these lists. It's an interesting combo because combined they won two finals. Yeah. Um, And so, but statistically and I mean, they were both great players, but bringing into factor that winning the secret, not to yeah. say these guys didn't have it themselves, but they just didn't win as much in the playoffs um, as a lot of these other guys on the list. So that's that's one thing I was thinking about, um, especially even as we go down to some of these other guys who have maybe won a bit more. Um, what put them ahead of you, of those other guys for you? Yeah. And this goes back to, like, it goes back to the list we had before this, the dominance. These guys were dominant players and – we talked about it with even KD. I mean, he won two finals himself and that was it. I mean, it, it's not like these, these, the next few guys, the next, the rest of these guys are not going to be like high number of totals and like finals championships outside of one. One of them's going to have a lot of them, but he wasn't the best player on all those teams. Um, the thing I like to d- differentiate between the two of them, Moses Malone, I even said it in a podcast we did with Game Blasters. If I'm thinking about the entire 1980s all time team, I'm not choosing Kareem as my, my center. 
I'm choosing Moses Malone because if I'm thinking just about the 80s in general, a few one or two years of averaging over 30 points a game, consistent double double, like high 20s and like 13 rebounds a game, yeah. um, especially during that 80s stretch. Um, also an incredible defender, moved well against everybody outside that that wasn't a point guard. Um, I and he was on a few teams. I don't think you. This is where it gets weird when you think about guys who switch teams a lot. Moses Malone switched a lot of teams, but it also teams. Used, Right. ABA also counts on that too. Well, but yep. that's that that's a different thing. Play for the St. Louis Spirit, people forget. Um, but I also played like two games for like the Buffalo team, the Buffalo Braves before they moved. Mm. So I'm not really even counting that team either. Sure. Whole point is this dominant player and just how well he was. He also was playing in one of the toughest stretches, I mean toughest decades in basketball when the league was dominated by the Lakers, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Rockets, and the Sixers. That was the only five teams to ever make the finals during the 80s. So and he was a part of those teams that won. So at least he was one of the teams that won that finals that year. So in that yeah. decade. So um, and then you think about Oscar. When he won, when they won the finals, he definitely wasn't the best player on that team. He was with Kareem. But when he won the triple double, he was when he was with Kansas City. He was doing it with the Royals, who then become the Kings later on. But he was one. He was the best player on those teams. He got shafted so many times just because he was playing against the Lakers and because he was playing against what was in the West that time, the Bucks. And those te- those teams were killing him, and that was what hurt him a lot. And just his standing. I think he made like a few finals, and he made like one or two even before they won a finals when he was in Milwaukee. Um, but I think he just kind of got shafted. Also, his teammates weren't great. He didn't really have, like, great teammates to, like, really help him when it comes to winning. Um, I just think that we we like to – and he didn't win a finals until his back half of his career anyways. So, I mm-hmm. think we like to forget the early parts because we always want to remember the fa- – we remember the year he won the triple-double and remember the year he won the finals. That's the only two things we remember about him. I remember a little. I, mean, I don't remember because I wasn't there. I just do. <laughs> I've done way too much research about Oscar Robertson because whenever that year happened with Russell Westbrook, I went way too deep into a diving about who that. Uh, I loved. I loved the stories of Oscar Robertson. There was the like the two K classic games you could play, and that Bucks team is still one of my favorite teams to play with, with John McLaughlin and Bob, Bobby team, Dandridge. Yeah. And then Greg Smith, who's their like six six power forward, who does absolutely nothing but just get boards, and it's super fun. <laughs> um, that's one of my favorite teams just to play with. And so I like that team a lot and he, it might be a little bit biased just to have Oscar that high, but he's to me, he's that third best point guard in uh, on, on my list. So that's just kind of where I landed on it. I mean, he only had one true season of averaging a triple double, but he, his first five seasons, he was flirting with it. Yeah. Um, either rebounds or assists and keep in mind, he averaged 30 points and 30 plus points in every single season, except for one during that stretch when he averaged 28.3. Right. So like 30 point triple double, double average is pretty insane. Yeah. Uh, you got to think about it. Now the one championship of him not being the best player in the team is a bit of a knock when it comes to these types of rankings, but I think the rest of it is warranted. And I think he's in the right place in terms of point guard rankings. I think he's third. It's just a matter of where you put him against the rest of the guys. So I, I, I don't disagree. Okay. Perfect. This next list, it's, it's a pretty lengthy one. It's from 16 to 22. So seven guys, it's called the crowd favorites and the crowd hated. Um, these guys are a bunch of guys who you either loved or you God wanted to throw bricks at them. Um, and most of the, and, and it's just, it just really factored in who you were like, who you were a fan of. Um, 
guy who kicks off this list, and we'll go from 16 to 22. Guy who kicks off this list is my favorite player all the time, Kevin Garnett. It's followed by Julius Serving. Then you got Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Jerry West, John Havlicek, and Isaiah Thomas. Um, you're going to notice in this grouping, there are two guys who never won an NBA Finals. Totally get it. They're also two of the best power forwards of all time, and I will get into that later. But we start off with the, the best power forward on this list. And in my mind, the second best power forward of all time in Kevin Garnett. As of right now, we get to a guy who comes up later who I think could definitely pass him. Um, but right now, it's Kevin Garnett. One MVP, one defensive player of the year. And honestly, should have been a finals MVP in the year that they beat the Lakers. I think Paul Pierce got it because Celtics born and bred. Totally get it. Kevin Garnett was the best player on that team, and that's totally fine. It's whatever. Also was a led the league in rebounds four times, all defense 12 times, all NBA nine times. Also has one of the most remembered lines in NBA history when anything is possible. And God damn it, it is. So that is that is so true, KG. Thank you so much for your enlightenment. enlightenment. Um, so that's where I kind of kick off my number six. That's where I kick off this list. It's one of three players all time to have 20,000 career points, 10,000 rebounds, and 5,000 assists. Yeah. Um, which is a pretty crazy company considering his power forward size. Yeah. Um, he's also, I mean, for a while, he was the first high school player in more like t- in more than two decades at that. Yeah. At that time, like he time. broke the seal. Moses um, Malone was the, like the right. best player before that. Right, but 1995, like there was a long gap between that, and he was dominant straight away at his mm-hmm. at a young age. So he's awesome. I sort of toyed with the fact of putting Carmelone near ahead of him, but uh, just purely offensively, Carmelone was dominant. Better. But yeah, I, I totally get def- defensively, and a teammate like KG takes the cake, and yes. so that that probably what wins it for him, but. It is a conversation, I think, just based on how dominant Carl Malone was for so long. I mean, a guy we can talk about is John Stockton. Um, I mean, Carl Malone made John Stockton awesome too. Like John and Stockton, it goes both. It goes both ways. Yeah, it definitely goes both ways. But I guess Stockton wouldn't have been great without Malone and vice versa. But I mean, my God, it was like every time they were just looking for Malone, looking for Malone, looking for Malone. And I don't know if KG was that player. Early on in Minnesota, yes, but when we remember him in Boston, he wasn't that guy again. So it's kind of difficult when Malone was always that guy pretty much. thing is, you think about the guys that, like, KG played with. He had, like, one or two years of Stephon Marbury, who was decent. You had tail end of the, his career, Sam Cassell, who I'll say, great year when they went to the Western Conference Finals. Sam Cassell was incredible. I'll say that. Awesome. Playing with Wally Zerbiak, Aaron. He was he was playing with Dusty Sperm, Ernie Johnson, and not Ernie Johnson. Um, Fudge. He was like on those. I'm just just mad at myself that I don't remember who this is now. But he was like on the Sonics teams that went the Sonics team that went to the finals. Anyways, wasn't great. Just shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have, should not have been on that team. Um, just didn't have the teammates that Carl Malone had. And he yeah. was also like point. He was also one of the first guys to do point forward. I mean, he was running. He was bringing the ball up mm-hmm. sometimes just for that Timberwolves team. And like, they're one of my favorite video, favorite hardwood classics is to watch is that Western Conference Finals they played against the Lakers um, in 2004. And how just like the reason that people like to discredit KG a little bit is just like his playoff success 
um, and that being the first like conference finals he made it to in that in like 10 year, eight, nine years of his career was that one. And so totally get it. But I just like to remind people to look at the teammates he was playing with. He was very loyal to Minnesota. The people he was playing with were not. So just screw off everyone. So KG is my number 16, followed by one of the most electric players in NBA history and Julius Irving. Um, four-time MVP. Three of those were in the ABA, but we'll still count it because we 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 are all about cross cross contaminating when it comes to the NBA ABA over here because we did that for Moses as well. Won an NBA Finals, but was not the best player on that team. But the reason we put him up so high on this list, one of the best, one of the for me, one of the best teammates of all time. How well he shaped the game for players after him was so important. I mean, there's a reason why people when Michael Jordan was coming up. They were comparing him to Dr. J because of how important Dr. J was to the game. There, there are videos of Dr. J. I mean, we we all remember videos of Dr. J doing crazy things whenever he was on, whether it was for the Nets in the ABA, whether it was for the Sixers. He he made it to two finals, three finals, three finals. Didn't and and only won one. It happens. Actually, might have been four. It was four. Made it to four finals and only won one. That first one against that first one against the Trailblazers, they should have won choked but it's whatever point is this most electric one of the most electric players we've ever had in the nba changed the game one of the one of the other guys who kind of changed the game for what it is today and that's why i have him this high on my list but i i I think this is kind of just that's where i just kind of land on it yeah i mean he was thought of as the number one guy before mj which is crazy like yeah he was like yeah, he was, it was the him, and then all it was of a him sudden, and Johnson, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird were like those three guys all up there. Yeah. yeah, and now he's 17, which is tells you how much talent has happened between now and then. But um, yeah, no, definitely like the like the mark. And then you had Carl Malone. Yeah, Carl Malone. Which we already yeah, Carl Malone and Charles Barkley. I think Malone's the better of the two. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, I'm not really don't even really go into that. What I will say is this. For Barkley to have 11 All-NBA final, I mean, appearances is pretty crazy. Um, also, Carl Malone was basically a 20, was average of 25 and 10 his entire career. Mm-hmm. It's nuts to me. Also, he has second most points all time. So we'll let that, we'll just, we like to put that up there for people too. Um, then we get to two old guys, Jerry West and John Havlicek. When I talked about earlier about guys who didn't have as many championships, uh, I mean, more than like one or two championships, I'm talking about John Havlicek. One of the best six men of all time. And then he started like after like four, I mean, five years in his career, he started starting games. And they were like, this Celtics, like, holy crap, why weren't we just sitting Tommy Heinsohn to start and just bringing him off the bench? Because John Havlicek has the, the one of the most momentous, mo- I mean, best moments in NBA history. And everyone remembers the Havlicek stole the ball. Havlicek stole the ball. And I still will cry myself to sleep just watching that video every time. It's, and one of the greatest shooters we've had, like pre nineteen eighty, I still think he would be a great like seventh, eighth guy to have off the bench, um, in today's NBA. Yes, I'm saying that, but and I and I'm having him at like this in my top twenty five. Welcome to the changing of NBA. I mean, he's he would be a great player just to have on a team in the, today's NBA, and probably would be better than a seventh or eighth guy off the bench. What I'm saying is he was super important to that seventies. I mean, that seventies we had a lot of parity. And I think that the Celtics team won two finals that entire like seventies, but we like to remember the fact that, I mean, he was one of the best players that we had on that late, late Bill Russell's run. He was 
the second best player behind Bill Russell on each one of those finals teams. He won a few finals MVPs. Um, actually, just one finals MVP. And then he also was, um, yeah, I always I say he's the best six man champ ever. Um, the guy who's in front of him, though, Jerry West, one finals MVP, and he was on the losing team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, unprecedented. That's the only time that's ever happened. Uh, he's also one time scoring champ and one time assist champ. He's literally the logo. And pre 1980, he was one of the best scorers that we had in the NBA, like outside of big men, one of the best scorers we had, just like guard and wing wise. And people will, I literally got a text from Mike like two month or two ago with Jerry West cook, Quinn cook. Yes. I would firmly believe that. And I'm, I am okay by saying that. That's funny. And I just hated that text message, but it's whatever. I knew he was getting under my skin with that text, but it's just really yeah. whatever. Um, That's clever. Do you think the logo will ever change? Should. Uh, I don't know. I mean, every other logo has stayed the same. Yeah. Basically. But I don't know. If it does, I don't know what it would be changed to. People were – and get it. When he died, I totally understand why you would want to make Kobe the logo. But I, I just God, think – God, no. Please, no. Please, no. Yeah, I know. This, then that would make people think, oh, my God, Kobe's definitely top three after that guy. I'm going to be Daffy Duck over here. <laughs> shut up, everyone. Um, the final the final guy on this list is Isaiah Thomas. Just, and to, I just, to, throw, just to jump Sorry. in on that last, Havlicek's the guy I wanted to flag as somebody who I didn't have in my top 25. Totally understand. Um, I have a tough time putting a six-man in my top 25. I understand he was still playing major minutes and was, like, maybe the best player on that team anyways. Mm-hmm. But – Still tough for me to square that with some of the guys that aren't on the list. Um, so just wanted to flag that. And then once we get to honorable mentions, maybe I can compare them. But you can keep going. Absolutely. No, and I, I totally get it. I mean, I had – it's just after those first like four or five years, then yeah. he becomes the best player on that team. And I think he was just super important in those championship teams. That's just kind of where I landed on that. But I totally mm-hmm. get what you're saying, though. Um, and the guy who I kind of – have moved up and down this like early twenties list. I had him even at 20 at one point is Isaiah Thomas. Mm. Um, the creator of the reason we have the secret, he was a part of the first championship team to never have, did not have a 20 point score on it or average of 20 point. I mean, the, with that first 89, hold on 88, 89 finals championship team. Um, I just, I think that's super important to just note. I mean, yeah. people will, people will, who love statistics will look at Isaiah Thomas's number and say, how is this a top five point guard of all time? And I will tell you this, he was playing on a, on a team that was not known for its scoring, but he was the best scorer on it. He created what Joe Dumars became like Joe Dumars and him were totally opposite difference. And Isaiah Thomas be, created the fact that Joe Dumars would be, going to become a finals MVP one day. And that's what he did. He is one of the best defensive point guards of all time. One of the most clutch players of all time has the, most points in a playoff quarter on a fucking busted ankle. No one likes to remember that shit, but I do. But it, he is one of the best. To me, I love him in I am a Celtics guy and how much he ruined that just like him and the, the Pistons and the Celtics just had that crazy rivalry. He's the only Piston. I like Joe Dumars. I like him and Joe Dumars were the only two like Pistons I liked during that like portion of that Pistons like period. So. Mm-hmm. I understand like there's also there's like the crazy like if Blair Bird was just uh was a black guy, he'd just be another player. 
totally just throw that out the window. And I also throw out his coaching and GM career because that's not about being an all-time player because he was just a shit at both of those. So is he the, is he the only guy in this list so far to not have won a regular season MVP? John Halliday. Okay. Um, hold on. And one of the guys you're going to name. Yeah. Next. Right. Correct. Yeah. The, one there's only one. I mean, they think there's only three guys who didn't win a regular season MVP on this. Yep. But at least he won some sort of MVP. It's true. So I like to list that. Um. All right. So that's that list. Anything else you wanted to put on with no, Isaiah Thomas? I, I I think he's. I think he needs to be top twenty-five. So I, I like right. the pick. Thank you. He was also. I mean, that. led the league in assists for a year or two at thirteen point nine. Yeah, I was. I I meant to hit on that too. Yeah. So I mean. He was great, great leader, um, super competitor too. Like that yeah. was clear in watching the last dance, and I love that. Um, say, say what you want to say about not shaking the other team's hand. Personally, if I'm a piston, I'm rallying around that. I absolutely fucking love that. So yeah. uh, that team just had a clear identity, and he was a great leader. Um, he's kind of a little bit meme now. Just oh yeah, he appears way too much on TV and says some outlandish things, and that's always tough. But as a player, yeah, he. He deserves to be top 25. We Hatchkaball should have done that against the Red Army. We should yeah. have just walked off the court, but we won. We won that That's game. True. So that would have been a little different, but definitely so. should have walked off that court and not said anything and shook anyone's hand. That's what I'll say um, for the people who know and care. Um, the final three people on this list are called the newcomers. These are guys who have played in the past two decades who have been super important to the, the creation of the, the current modernization of the NBA. Start off, last three guys, Dwayne Wade, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Dirk Nowitzki. Switch up the list a little bit here on you. But let's start with Dwayne Wade. And one of the craziest things, this man has one finals MVP, should have two. Should have, should, if, the, if, the, if, the, if the Heat would have won that series against the Mavericks, he should have won that. He also should have been the MVP that year. Totally whatever. But, but just going to throw that out the window. He was the best player on that Heat team. Totally thing. Led the led the league in scoring for one year, and I also think he's a top ten teammate of all time. Just how well he realized and he took his stuff, took himself out of the equation, and let LeBron be the leader of a team that he had been leader for like eight years at that point. He said, "I will. You can do what you want to." So that's what I like. Next. Also, defensively, like going back oh, and right. watching some of the Spurs finals, like what he did on both ends of the floor, just like taking over for multiple minutes on end. And yeah, you can pull that out for almost anybody at that caliber, but I mean, he was great on both ends and doesn't get a lot of credit for that. Also how dominant he was against um, in, in, in 05 with Shaq was just absurd. So, I mean, that finals alone, I think that was the first one I remember um, as a kid watching that. And he was just on another level. So uh, for me, he, he has a special place in my heart, so I'm glad he's on the list. And both Mavericks series, the one they won and the one they lost, he right. was insane. Yeah. Like, the one that they won in 06 was ridiculous, and 06. my introduction to, like, NBA basketball was watching him play. So, I again, special place in my heart, too. Um, so, I don't disagree with you. Um, we then go to Giannis. People are going to look at this and say, what the fuck? I like it. I like it. And we talk about guys' peaks. In, I've talked about active players' peaks. 
Aaron, I'm going to say something very outlandish. I'm ready for it because I'm thinking the same thing. As soon top as five player of all time is his yeah, peak. I was going to go top three. I don't hate that. He has. It the, all depends he, on championships. But physically more dom- – uh, maybe LeBron's a question. But, I mean, his place right now, most likely place where he lies is in that – the dominance category with the Shaq and whoever yeah. else you had in that group. Like that is honestly for me where I expect him to be. Yeah. But I think his peak could be up to number three. Yeah. I think I have him right either bef- like my peak is right behind or right in front of magic, but I definitely agree. My expectance is ending in that dominance category. Um, and I wrote with it down already one of the top three most dominant players in the NBA history. And you have to account for the Shaq. And you have to account for what LeBron did, especially just between 2008 to 2015 and even 16 and 17. But like you think about those like heat years, ridiculous. So that's what I'll say. Also another like top 15 teammate of all time. Everyone loves him. Totally worth it. Then you have Dirk Nowinski, number 25 rounds out the top 25. Nowhere near Tim Duncan being <laughs> whatever comes to this list. My but God, what a bad I got right. Finals MVP and a one-time MVP and the second most unguardable shot of all time. The Dirk fadeaway, which I way to practice way too much in my 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 uh, driveway whenever I was a kid as a six foot hundred pound center in seventh grade. That in the headbang against the stanchion, like having Garnett. That probably is why I'm a little weird to this day. Um, but uh, Dirk Nowinski is insane. One of the best offensive – was the reason we have a stretch four, I mean, ever in today's NBA. And also is the reason that we have – I mean, that we have the memes of that 2011 uh, finals against the Heat. It's one of my favorite things, just the fact that J.J. Barea could stand in front of LeBron James and say, I've got you. But also just like his – he's one of the most clutch players we've ever had in the NBA too. Yep. Just like – it's very underrated. Um, also won an MVP, and they had multiple years where they could have won a title too. Like they had the best regular season team by far a couple times. Uh, they had the terrible first round loss to the We Believe, Believe Warriors, which is tough to swallow. I'm not going to put that on Dirk necessarily. That was a weird year. Um, he actually was on a podcast recently talking about that. Very interesting story. But yeah, I mean, Dirk's iconic. He also made the German three cool. Now you see like rookies doing that. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like you're from California. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, he's, he's awesome. Totally agree. Um, So yeah, that's my top 25. Um, I had two honorable mentions. I was going to just mention real quick here. Uh, Can I mention one thing on Giannis first? Yeah, absolutely. Also one of the best finals performances of all time across the series. And also in the closeout game in game six, 50 points. Yeah. And also the free throws, like who would have thought 17 for 19 from the line. He had another really good game early in the series where he went 13 for 17 um, in game three, uh, which is how they're, that was their first win of the series and helped turn things around. But people forget, we weren't sure if he was even going to play a hundred percent in this series, let alone totally right. Drop 50 points on in a couple years. Like we're going to have more time to reflect on that. It's an incredible, incredible performance. And I obviously, we're going to get some more. So just add it to the list. Top 10 finals 
uh, performance, like serious performance it was awesome. from anyone. I totally yeah. agree with you. Um, okay, very probable mentions. Yep. I just it. had two guys. Two guys I was going to list. One of the best defensive players we've ever had in NBA history, Scottie Pippen. He was online and, too. Yeah. Right. He was one, also one of the guys who started the point forward kind of thing. I mean, those like late 90s Bulls teams were being run by – basically he was the point guard of that team. Scott loves Kerr. He's not a point guard. He's not. A, he's just a guy who's going to shoot. And also, um, Ron Harper was no longer a point guard anymore. Basically, he was just a defensive body. He wasn't like what he was when he was on the Clippers um, at that point or on the Charlotte teams. So I, I love what Scottie Pippen did, and so I I have him. And to me, he's a top three wing defender of all time. He, like, I can only talk about it so much, but like. NBA historians just talk about if they could make a all press team, like a team that would just press for 48 minutes a game, they would want Scottie Pippen on their team and delete it. And I'm like, okay, bring that shit on. Uh, people like to knock on a shooting. I totally agree. Also people like to knock on the fact that, uh, and the reason why I bumped him off this list was because he kind of can be a baby a little bit every now and then, but we love him. It's okay. We move on. And we realize his greatness, and uh, that's why he's number twenty-six. Yeah, I'm. I was trying to think through. I think maybe for me, he replaces Havlicek. I think that's that's the spot. I just get it. You don't have MJ without Scotty. Um, you don't have Scotty without MJ. Yeah, I mean, you can say the same thing. But like, best right. player of all time, he was so incredibly invaluable to that team. Also, True. people want to hate on his sh- shooting. He had almost an identical three-point percentage to M. Michael Jordan um, and took more threes per game. So I don't want to hear that. No, I, I, I'm not a part of that crowd. No, I, I, I get it. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I love sorry. hacking up threes with Scotty Pippen in the corner on 2k. It's yeah. my favorite thing. I mean, it's not great on 2k cause I undervalue him still, but I, yeah. I don't want to hear that. Especially the right team. Yeah. And 32% at a decent volume back then wasn't terrible. Like now we're just used to dudes shooting 40%. I mean, yeah, we had the Craig Hodges of the world back then, but still generally 32%. I'll take that from a guy who's as athletic as he is. Great passer, excellent, excellent defender. Like, you're going to take that as serviceable. And, yes, was a bit of a baby at times, or at least that's how he's been portrayed. And the injury thing is really tough to swallow, where he elected to have his injury at the beginning of the season despite them. But also, I don't blame the guy. Like, he was – fucked over year after year by the oh, Bulls totally get that. and was not paid nearly as much as he should have been throughout his entire career, pretty much. Um, and the one year Michael Jordan was not in the Bulls, right? He, his scoring skyrocketed and we actually were able to see what he could do. The Bulls obviously weren't great, but um, I think he's really would have been a great player even without Michael. But the fact that he was able to make that team what it was, I think he deserves to be in the top 25. Totally agree. There's also some questionable teammate moments. Like there's this crazy like playoff series where they played the Knicks in the year that Michael wasn't there. And like, he literally elected to sit out of the final play of a game because it was literally hit the game winner. Right. Yeah. But, but Pippen wanted to be the one who took it. Right. Let Phil Jackson, the the third best coach of one of the top three coaches of all time, make a right decision here. Like you're done. So just get over yourself. Also, like there, there are some like crazy collapses, like, playoff collapses that he had had earlier on in his career, like whether it was the Pistons or whether it was the Cavs, there's some weird playoff series where he just doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I like to account for those just a little bit too. 
Yeah. Um, no, that's fair. But also, let's think about this. Dude came from central Arkansas and worked his way up to what he is. Like, he came into the league a completely different status as Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael was obviously one of the most highly touted recruits coming out of college. Um, and Scotty, even though he was drafted pretty high, but he was playing in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas. And, like, what he was able to do for himself is is pretty awesome. Um I hope his kid is able to make a roster too. Uh, seeing him running around summer league with Sharif O'Neal and Scottie Pippen Jr. is insane. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird summer league. Um, all right, you ready for my second honorable mention? Yep. I only, I only wanted to do two. I could go on forever on this list, and one day I will. Um, the next person is Kevin McHale. Interesting. I have a deep affection for this man. Um. Hakeem is the best post player of all time, just like post moves wise. The second, the second like charade of post moves, like the second most post moves of all time is a guy named Kevin McHale. Like there's like a list of like nine different post moves that he could roll through and just whip you with and just beat you to the rim with anything. Also like there were your, I mean, there's like year, I think there was like one year where he averaged more points than Larry Bird. Second, one of the best duos of all time with Bird and McHale. Um, you're not going to know him for a shooting. You're going to know him for a scoring, rebounding, and one of the better defenders. The only knock on one of the one of his few knocks is his longevity. Didn't make it super long in his career. A bunch of knee and leg issues. I I get that. I just I just like to. I love Kevin McHale a lot, and it's definitely the Celtic side of me that comes out with that. Um, and I wasn't even trying to think about active players because I there's maybe. I'm trying to even think of like in my top 30 right now offhand. I don't have that list on me right now. I'm trying to even think if there's another active player even in my top 30 right now. But that was the other honorable mention I was going to throw out there. I don't hate it. Uh, I mean, those Celtics teams were stacked. Um, so even statistically looking back at some of those guys is a little bit tough to value just because they had so many different pieces. Right. Another great teammate. Um I think he's a good honorable mention. I wouldn't have had him in the top 25. I think he's probably where he needs to be. There's a ton of power forwards already. On no, the and list. that's that's the other thing. Like it you think that, it's it's one of the deeper positions uh, in the NBA. Well, when you think about all time, but even yeah. think, but you think about like most of those guys. Not a lot of like there's like this stretch, like in from like 2008 to like 2015. There weren't a lot of great power forwards then. There was Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, but they were like old and dying on their last leg. And Dirk Nowitzki mm-hmm. was there too. But like when you think about like young power forwards, I wasn't considering Kevin Durant a power forward at the time. He was a small forward on that Thunder team. There weren't many. There was Blake Griffin, great Blake Griffin. If we're counting Blake Griffin as an all-time great power forward, we have many other issues that we needed to discuss at that point. But I do agree there are a lot of power forwards on this list. I don't disagree with you. Can I name two guys who I had on my honorable mentions? Absolutely Actually, not. I, I had go three, but I go um, Allen Iverson's the big one that I think <sighs> is a good debate. I would have had him in my top 25 again, maybe a replacement of Havlicek. I think you can make the argument for D. Wade. I think you can make it. Um, I disagree. I mean, oh, dude, he's just – didn't win. One, one, you have the two-time uh, – he was an MVP, right? One time. Yeah, uh, one time. The issue is scoring champ. The issue is never won a championship. So you have that, but like, look at the teams that were around him. That 2001 roster. Oh, totally agree. For Philly, like it's basically 
first uh, decrepit Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, it's like it's like that type of roster around him. I mean, you had yeah, Kukoc who was dying, uh, a young Raja Bell, um, but yeah, AI but- was was the guy. You had Vernon, Vernon Maxwell, uh, you know, Old some other guys, dying. but like. Game one of that series is a fun rewatch. That is one yeah. of the more dominant games in, in the NBA Finals uh, by Allen Iverson. And that whole series, he was great. 35-plus points per game. Incredible. I mean, not great efficiency just because he had to do he had to shoot 32 times per game. Right. But, I mean, talk about a culture icon. Dwayne Wade wore number three because of Allen Iverson. Like, I get it. Allen Iverson's the guy, and and he was one of my favorite players to watch growing up that I loved, obviously, a Denver Nugget, um, and was sort of at the tail end of his career there, but even then was really good for a few seasons, and then he died off as soon as he left. But uh, I think you can make the argument for AI from a pure player skills standpoint is pretty insane. Totally agree. I worry about – so when I think about it, though, I think about teammate stuff. I think about defensive side. can steal the ball. Totally get it. Couldn't, but he wasn't like physical enough to stay with guys. Was my other thing, um, and also he brought up longevity. Was the other thing I was thinking about, just like how long he played in the in the NBA, like at a peak level. Um, but I do agree, one of the more dominant small guards we've seen in the NBA. Don't get me wrong with that. I think it's it's an argument. I just I can't get him past the top three two guards of Michael Kobe and D Wade. You can't get me. I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, he led the league in steals three times, scoring yeah. four times. Was it four? And yeah, like damn, his resume is really impressive. Um, and when you even think title. about as that little guy, like he was able to finish at the rim and was absolutely fearless. You think yeah. of a guy like John ja Morant now; it's a little bit different because um, he's not dunking as much as Ja did as easy does but like his finishing ability and creativity at the rim was insane mm-hmm. um obviously has the iconic video of crossing up michael jordan at the top of the key when he was just coming into the league so mm-hmm. um i don't know for me i think he's top 25 i'd find a way to squeeze him in there okay let's, um, let's hear the one john stockton just because i think the argument of malone and stockton being together are a tandem that's fine i get so it I, I don't know who i'd kick out Honestly, at a list, <laughs> yeah, three guys can, can. Can I sub three guys in for Havlicek? Um, sure. but it's just if I have Malone, I feel like I gotta have Stockton. That's 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 my only argument. I don't need to go into it much. And the only other guy I thought about was David Robinson. No, I, I will stop you there. No, I love David Robinson, I know you do, but also the like, Admiral, him Let's and Carl Malone were the James Harden's before James Harden's guys who could not perform in the playoffs, like got, like got choke happy in the playoffs. Like it's, it, it's kind of crazy that Robin Robinson did win two finals. He won two finals. He won one with, but he was not the best player on either of those teams. Not at all. Not even close. Duncan was the best player between uh, both those finals teams. When they won in 99, it was him. It was Tim Duncan. And when they won again in like, Oh, three, on like Robinson's like one of his last years, it was him. It was Duncan. I just, I get it. He had that like seventy-two point game at the end of his season to just beat out mm. Shaq in the scoring title. Great game. Go back and watch that. He also has the quadruple double. Yep. Totally get it. Also led the league in blocks. Like was a defensive menace. I don't know. Like Tim Duncan made them great, but 
he made the Spurs relevant too. I mean, George Gervin obviously throwing it back, but uh, uh, talk about another guy who was just the James Harden before James Harden. Yeah, so city in the playoffs. But go on. Didn't they call him Iceman? Oh no, he was Iceman, but he <laughs> Iceman in the regular season. Iceman because he could have a, he had a saucy mid range jumper. But like there was some playoff, some crappy playoff stat lines. And then when he went to the Bulls, like like Michael's rookie year, it was just such a weird combination. Such just bullcrap. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, given the depth at power forward and center, I agree Robinson shouldn't be on there. But I think he's worth discussing. So, um, yeah. I, I don't know. Low thirties maybe is a good. Yeah, good absolutely. I think I had him around like that 32, 31 range. Yeah. So yeah. love it. Awesome. That it. Well, that's my top twenty-five. I don't know if I'll post it. Probably have to at this point, but like, oh, you got to do it. Now it's set in stone, but it's not. We can preface that this is always changing, especially the current guys. Yeah, it's set in stone for like five minutes. Um, yeah. but like it, it's it's like I said, it's an always evolving list, and I am open to opinions and just. Here's what I'll say: I'm open to conversation, not screaming matches and arguments. I'm not here to listen to just. I'm, I'm here to listen, but if you're not going to listen to what I have to say, then what are we doing here? So this is, I'm looking for opinions. I'm looking for conversations, not looking for just people to scream at me. So that's what I'll say. Well, well done. This was Thank fun. Um, honestly, really well done. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of disagreements here. I think there's only really one guy that stands out to me and even Havlicek is worthy of being mentioned around the top 25 um other than that i i think you nailed it um thank you can talk semantics around one or two guys but uh excellent job and i look forward to reading the full 50 at some point too absolutely we can mitchell still will have to write a book and it'll be way too long about basketball but when we get there it'll be about 30 years from now but we'll see what we'll see um thanks guys for listening to me talk way too much about nba history and i know no one wanted to hear it but i appreciate it um we're gonna be right back we're gonna do a quick cereal and bruise and we'll get you all out of here we're back uh cereal and bruise and it's basically just movie time with aaron and mitchell um we've both gone to the theaters a few times so far one movie we both saw and we're very severely disappointed in thor love and thunder just a terrible movie why were they know. fighting muppets like they were fighting muppets in the first scene i i mean it literally called that out too that was weird yeah i was actually i mean that aspect of it was weird but and the intro was super cheesy um the whole movie was cheesy it was like they were trying to make it too funny it, that's the thing it was too much the thing i've noticed with that and another movie i saw recently which hate to compare it to this but downton abbey the pacing was terrible it was just it was way moving way too fast none of the jokes were meaningful i laughed at a lot of them because it's the characters i love and i was entertained because it's marvel but generally one of the bottom three marvel movies for me uh i honestly like dark world the thor second movie better than this one thor secured itself as the worst like it's movie. so bad. Movie well, Thor, like yeah, it, the it series. Its, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The Thor series itself secured itself as the worst series in all of Marvel. And one of the movie. coolest superheroes should have like, been Should've in been. the event in the Avengers. 
Thor's great outside of when he was fat in the last one. That was weird, but um, yeah. body shaming. No, it's, it was just the character. I know, I know, I know. I'm just giving you crap. It was like Hulk having ED, uh, you know, for a whole movie too. So, uh, didn't like everyone either. has their struggles, man. Everyone has their. <laughs> Did, I know, I know what you're saying. Know. But yeah, I agree. Uh, missed opportunity. And I think Ragnarok was actually good. It's probably the best Thor oh, out of yeah. the four. Um, and it's the same director. I, I really like Taika Waititi. I mean, he did some other good movies I like. So I just think it was a little too goofy. Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you, what did you say, a four out of ten? Yeah. I gave it a six. So like, like a D. Christian Bale was good. And Christian also Bale was the only saving part of it all. Christian underutilized. Bale. I feel like they could have had more Christian Bale. The first five minutes were fantastic because we only had Christian Bale. And yeah. then we're like, we're going to give you in segments of this, man. Yeah. God, every movie. Series and he was scary. He was scary as shit. Um, I just felt like a lot of the seriousness that they needed toward the end of the movie wasn't. You didn't take it seriously because Thor's like joking with kids trapped in a cage. Like, hey, how's it going, guys? Like, what? No, the Thor, you've you've been philosophical and serious in the past. Like, I'd like that part of you, too. And yes, you're very funny. Um, but I don't know. It was a lot. So I've seen that this month. I saw Interstellar for the first time as a movie guy. How have I never seen Interstellar? To answer your question, ladies, answer your question, ladies and gentlemen, the first time I tried, quote unquote, tried watching it, Logan Ball and I on the way to LSU woke up in the middle of the movie. So I just, and like, I'm already lost because he's on the planet where Matt Damon is. Yes. Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it. But like, I woke up, I'm like, Matt Damon's in this movie. And I, I might thought Matt Damon was in The Martian. Well, he's in both. Oh, well, that's confusing. Have you never seen Interstellar? No. Well, that I would have been nice one to know with, before I said anything. I saw the one with Sandra Bullock. That's Gravity. Yeah, I'm out on that movie. Didn't I'm also like out on that movie. It's okay. <laughs> um, but the other movies I've watched this month, listen to the movies. I've only watched five movies this month. I need to get better at this. I need my January month to come back where I watched 45 movies. Um, uh the movies I've watched, Thor, Interstellar, Parent Trap, The Notebook, and No Time to Die. This is what happens when oh. you have a girlfriend. <laughs> no Time to Die is so good. I just watched that. Like, I finished that. I, it was like a three-part process. I finished it today during dinner. Just such a such a good movie. Such a great movie. Uh, I really like that one. Um, you mentioned uh, Meet the Parents? No, Parent Trap, the Lindsay Lohan one. Such Parent a good movie. Tra- Parent Trap's great. Have you ever seen Meet the Fockers? Yes, I've seen Meet the, well, meet oh. the Parents and Meet the Fockers. Yeah, so, with Ben. So good. Robert De Niro, just his sarcastic humor and just his dry humor is fantastic. Plus, then we get, um, who's Ben Stiller's dad? Why am I blanking? Uh, meet the Fockers. Dustin um, Hoffman. Thank you. God. Yeah. My God. Bernie, Bernie Fokker. <laughs> it's so bad, dude. It's so Greg funny. Fokker. So funny. Owen Wilson is rolling in there too. Yes, that's right. I haven't seen that in so long. We would Our, meet the Foxes. Was like well, meet the parents. One. Was like one of the movies we watched as like kids, just because like you know I had like intimidating like past girlfriends. I had intimidating dads that I had to go up against, and so like that was the movie I always just thought of. It's like I'm gonna be hooked up to a lie detector at some point. I just know it's gonna happen. So, oh yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was a great movie. I just thought of that. Um, the other day but yeah uh i mean that's not a bad list i think no you might, wide you might range have watched too. as much as me you trying to look at your list you yeah, watched a new to, hope trying to think yes 
Star Wars is on the list, and I was saying how much I forgot uh, how great A New Hope is. I mean, obviously, it sets up the whole whole shebang, so it should get a lot of love, but it also gets hate because it's the first one, and they're like, oh, the special effects stuff. Well, yeah, look when it was Welcome to 1977. Made. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Better than but, 2001. Yeah. Alec Guinness, oh, a man of class. And it's crazy watching that movie now and, like, damn near – 75% of the cast is dead. <laughs> and so it's, a little, so it's always a weird feeling. But after reading my Star Wars history book, I loved watching that. I was like, I did, wasn't referencing it live, but I was trying to remember back to all the stuff that I read about. And it was just like the conditions that they were filming in, like at these spots and the stuff that they built and the, yeah. all this other random stuff and how stressed out George Lucas was during this whole process. And uh, it was it was great being able to see it after that so well i'm glad you got to re-experience that all over again so i'm happy for you there i need to go back and rewatch that um it's worthwhile uh, has has uh has your girlfriend watched any of the star wars movies she has she is uh that's good she's seen them all couldn't tell you what happens in all of them though so that's that's uh-huh. one thing i'm gonna have to work on here um so we'll see how that goes over. You'll be you'll you'll meet her after this uh, after we finish this episode. Um, but thank you guys for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to me ramble about the top twenty five players, my top twenty five players of all time. Um, we appreciate you guys. Follow us on Twitter at Hooper's Almanac. We appreciate it. Um, and yeah, go Celtics Summer League. I don't know how the heck Matt Ryan hit that game winning three, but go Celtics and Nuggets the Summer League. Also, go Chet Holmgren, who just is deciding to ruin every child out there with his dunks and just block shots. So, and we were, oh, and this is also, this is what I'll say. This is also going to be the end of season one of the Hoopers Almanac. This is the last episode mm-hmm. before we get into like a summer league recap. This was like our, it's been a great first season. Aaron and I have really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and we look forward to next season of 2022 and 2023, where we get to bring more of us. And we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, rookie year in the books, sophomore season coming up. No slumps to be had, Mitch. No sophomore slumps are going to happen. Um, We're going to build on this. It was a great first year. We talked about it. If you're just starting to listen to the podcast, I'm sorry, because we probably make a lot of references that we assume people know. Um, We do have a core group of listeners who have been suffering through listening to us every week pretty much for the last year. But this is something we talked about doing for – a while uh, yep. and finally made it happen before the NBA season this past year. And it's been great to be able to spend some more time with you and catch up and have this weekly touch base pretty much and talk about the sport we both love and see it grow and uh, all that sort of stuff. So I'm looking forward to another year. Absolutely. My man. Yeah. About a year ago, we kind of decided we were going to do this and we finally made the decision. I'm not saying that we've done 52 episodes because we definitely haven't, but there will be we're gonna we're looking forward to the same old guests that we've had last year, but also bring on new people to just like you know just wide to brain to branch our NBA knowledge and history. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your week and uh, go Celtics and Nuggets.